Hello and welcome to The Big Chat, a podcast that champions individuals and businesses at the heart of their communities. Um, Making sure they understand how accountable they need to be in the business, but being positive throughout so that they literally love what they do. I think magazines will always be around. I think there'll always be a market for them. I think advertisers like being on paper. But in another way, it actually gave me that time to really grow and develop and, um, yeah, build it, basically. We, we try to communicate more with clients than most accountants do. The Big Chat. This is all about collaboration and giving people in our towns the chance to have their say, their way. Hello, I'm Nicole and welcome to The Big Chat. And today I'm extremely excited to be talking to my personal legend, friend and uh, podcast producer guru, uh, as well as many other things, Giles Paley Phillips. Hello, Giles. Hello. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. It's a bit cold today, I have to say. I'm a bit cold. It's really, really very cold, actually. And um, yeah, I think this um, studio that I'm sat in has seen warmer days. Let's put it that way, especially as it's not being used quite as much as it should be when we can see you person to person. I know, I know. But for now, it's lovely to see you sat there. Well, I'm in my bedroom. You are? Yeah. Um, it's the only place in the house that has the obligatory books. That you all, everybody needs in the Zoom chat. So uh, I heard you mention this on your podcast. Now, for, for those who don't know, Giles has a very famous podcast. Yes, it is. It is called Blank, which you do with Jim Daly, mm. don't you? Can you tell, Giles, you're, you're, I mean, not only have you written many, many books and done many things, um, I just assume everyone knows everything about you, but of course they might not. So can you tell me a little bit about where you've where you've come from, what you're doing, and also tell us a bit about blanks. Just give us a bit of a bit. You want like a, a fifteen minute monologue now? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, no pressure. Okay, so oh god. Um, well, yes, I've written lots of books. I mean, that's my main gig. I would say is writing, um, and uh, the idea of a podcast came about really during kind of a sort of downtime in the writing. I mean, I've been writing for, I guess, probably pretty much since my eldest was born, Eli. And um, mm-hmm. he's just coming up to, he'll be 14 this year. So that's a bit mad to think that he's going to be 14, teenager. But uh, yeah, so I started writing my first book when he was born. Pretty much just before that, I kind of wanted to write a story for him. I'd been in bands and stuff before that. That was my kind of main thing before that was trying to be a rock and roll star and uh, become, yeah, just make it in a band. And we toured around the country and all that kind of stuff. But um, like a lot of these things, they never work out quite how you want them to. And I think I was always looking for other creative. I've always been looking for other creative outlets. So I think when the band broke up, it was a case of trying to find something else that I could do. And I'd always written lyrics and um as well as the music to some of our songs so writing seemed to be a segue for me and I I just I think a lot of children's writers come to their profession through you know through their children and wanting to create a story for for their children that they can read to them and that that bedtime story 
time is such a, a precious time I find um and to be able to read my own stories to my you know to my children is is a very magical thing so that's kind of how it started and then yeah then sort of I've segued into doing other things along the way and more recently in more recent years it's been the podcast and the podcast I mean you've got quite a few followers on Twitter at the moment I think you're up to about 307,000 followers on Twitter yeah and the podcast has been pretty popular as well hasn't it I mean you've had some amazing guests I mean personal favorites Dawn French Wim Hof Stephen Fry Gary Lineker Fred 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 with the surname I can't Fred Syriax yeah he was on last I week mean. yeah I mean we've <laughs> been I mean the, the the thing is that the podcast is has become popular and well known because we've had some incredible guests on, and that's kind of luck more than judgment. Um, just me sort of reaching out to people, yeah, like you say via mediums like Twitter, and um, basically sort of begging them to come on the show. And uh, yeah, I mean it's been an amazing, amazing experience doing it. I never thought we would. I mean, we're nearly up to a hundred episodes. I never thought we'd get to that. Uh, you know, it was kind of a thing that Jim and I started. Jim Jim Daly's a comedian. We know each other through our mutual love of Crystal Palace Football Club. Uh, we, he does a podcast about Crystal Palace. And we talked about uh, kind of collaborating in some way. I always like collaboration's always been a big thing for me. And being a writer, you don't get to collaborate as much. And the creative process, the, the actual publishing of the book is a quite a collaborative bit. But actually creating uh, or writing a story is is quite a, a solitary thing so i was always i'm always keen to look for for collaborators and working with other people that's always something i've enjoyed doing back to the you know being in a band and stuff where you're you know you're working with other people and so yeah i had this idea and i said to jim look you know i'm having creative problems at the moment and you know i just really be good to get some advice for some other people it could be an interesting podcast there's a lot of interview podcasts around, but I thought you might be slightly different dynamic if there's two of us talking. And he was like, well, you know, I'm going through a similar thing. He was saying that, you know, he was struggling with with getting back into stand-up. He'd had a, had a break from it and, you know, he kind of got the fear for going on stage again. So that that was something that he was wanting to deal with. And so we just thought, well, let's let's do it. Let's see what who we can get on and, and, and what advice they might give. You never know with these things where they're going to lead um you know so it became just a thing that we did you know I used to travel up you know been traveling up to london to do the first few episodes and yeah i think it, and it just kind of snowballed we just managed to get you know just i think maybe we started doing it in the end of 2018 and and podcasts again there's just a bit of like a sort of renaissance for podcasting i think i was really into podcasts back when like the Ricky Gervais show and stuff came out, which was the kind of the dawn of the iPod coming out. And I guess those sort of mid 2000s when, yeah, there was only a like, handful of people seemed to be doing them. And it was a bit kind of niche. But I remember thinking what a great way to you know, create your own radio show. I mean, I think everyone wants to be a radio DJ at some point in their life. So it was kind of that idea. And I remember sitting in, I was working at a toy shop at the time thinking, oh, I'd really love to do a podcast. And I remember talking to a few friends about it. I had an actor friend and said, oh, let's do a podcast together. But we didn't have any idea what we were going to do or what we were going to talk about. So it never really came to anything. But it was something that always stuck with me. Um, and then, when, like you say, when I've had been able to sort of get a, a bit of a followership, or, you know, following on, on Twitter and stuff, meant that I, I guess I had a little more, bit more clout to be able to sort of ask people to come on. Uh, that, that's kind I of think it, yeah. it's also what you talk about. I mean, I think where you're 
you you talk about the idea of why it's fine to falter and fail and how to put yourself mm. up again. I think that's something that's very relatable as a topic. And I think that and I think you've said in a few of your podcasts with Jim that Jim that I've listened to where, you know, it's amazing the direction that it's gone off on with with some of the conversations that you've had. You've covered a I mean, that's that's where the books come from now, hasn't mm. it? Because you've got the book obviously being published. Yeah, yeah. We've written a book, which is you know obviously solely based on our experiences of doing the podcast. Yeah, the amazing thing was it kind of started as a creative thing. Like we would talk to creative people about uh, what blank, going blank would mean to them. So obviously the, the title of the podcast is blank, meaning going blank, you know, when we have those blank moments in life, difficult moments. Uh what they are to us and how we get through them. And I guess, it, like I say, it was a, one of more of a creative thing to start with. Jim and I were talking to other creatives, it'd be other, you know, other comedians, writers, um, actors and stuff like that. And, you know, there's kind of obvious, almost obvious kind of things that happen to people who are creative. You know, it might be writer's block, for example, or, or going blank on stage if you're performing, um, you know, those kind of things. But as we started to talk to these people, it was emerging that there were other things that blank meant to them. So, you know, it could be imposter syndrome or public failure, social anxiety, grief, um, education, where, you know, where what their education was like, um, sleeping, sleep deprivation. So there's all these different things, like these th things that kind of, uh, you know, uh, frustrate everybody. Everybody has a, has one of those things happen to them. Uh, so that's kind of how it came. And so then we started to expand the kind of people we'd get on. So we could start to get people who are in sports on and we've had politicians on and business people. So because it, it, it encompasses so many different industries, it's not just the creative industry. And that's what's been fascinating about it is, is being able to that premise of the, uh, the idea of the podcast has been able to sort of filter out into other industries, which is, which is fascinating for us. It means we get to talk to lots of different types of people. I mean, I can remember the very first... Well, I can remember when you were talking about it before it was born. Which kind of shows how long I've... Well, much longer than that, actually. And I've worked with you mm. on a few of your books. Your first book... I love this book. Fearsome Beastie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is just a fab <clears throat> book, isn't it? And then that won the People's Book Prize, didn't it? And the Heart of... Heart of... Quick. Oh, I can't say that. Quick. This is a beautiful... Book Awards. Beautiful place. Sounds lovely. Yeah, it's on the borders in Scotland. It's an absolutely beautiful oh. little town. Um, it was a milling town, so there was lots of... When I went, when we went and visited, we had a little tour around, and uh, they had quite a lot of social, social deprivation there because it was, a, it was a very industrial town. They had mills and stuff. And then, um, actually, some of the reasons like the, the award came out was because they were trying to sort of asp give aspiration to the young people in the town because... A lot of the industry within it, which was like Lasse Mills and stuff like that, had um, yeah. had closed down. So, yeah, it's a beautiful place on the borders. So I was very, very privileged to go up there and, and receive an award for the book. Yeah, the book's a, it's a funny book. It's uh, it's quite dark. It's sort of reminiscent. It's the kind of books I used to like as a kid, the sort of Grim, Grim Brothers tales. And <laughs> there's a picture book called Not Now Bernard, which is one of my favourites, which is about, um, it's a book by David McKee, who... If you remember Mr. Ben, he created Mr. Ben. That was his. So I love that, Mr. Ben. That kind of artwork is his sort of signature. But yeah, the book Not Now Bernard, which was a great inspiration, is about a little boy who says, you know, who's who, who basically can't get the attention of his parents. He goes round 
the house. He sees he meets this monster in the garden, and he goes around and he says to his mum, "Oh, you know, there's a monster in the garden." And his mum's like, "Oh, not now, but I haven't got time to, t-, you know." And then he goes to see his dad, and his dad's busy reading the paper, and he said, "Oh, there's not there's a monster in the garden." His dad's like, "Oh, not now, you know." And they're sort of dismissing him all the time. He's trying to, you know, he's craving their attention. And then eventually the, the monster just eats Bernard, um, unfortunately. And then, you know, uh, <laughs> there's a bit at the end where, of the book where the be- the monster's in bed. Obviously, like, <laughs> he's, like, taking up <laughs> residence in the house. Uh, and the parents, um, he's like, oh, there's like, go to, go to sleep, Bernard. And the monster's like, well, I'm a monster. I'm not, you know, I'm not Bernard. And they're like, not now. Not now, Bernard. <laughs> this is like a really like tragic kind of book, but God. it's a massive inspiration to the fearsome beastie because obviously, for those who haven't read the book, the, um, the beast, this beast, kind of comes to the local village and and starts consuming some of the children within it, and uh, <laughs> they have brilliant. to kind of uh, one of them has to go and find uh, um, their grandmother, who's who's a bit nifty with an axe, to come and um, sort him out. So yeah, it's quite dark. It's one of those books I love reading it. I love reading it when parents are present because all the kids are like giggling and laughing and 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 really into it and um, you can make it quite pantomime when you're reading it. But um, all the parents are like gasping and thinking, "Ah, oh, this is <laughs> I don't want my child reading this at night because this is going to give them nightmares." But kids love it. You're gr- you're great at, at reading to, to kids. I've been to a few book launches with you. Had the privilege of being with you, and you've read because you've. 11 books is that right 11 or was blank i mean does blank that will be number that, 12 i think yeah yeah number 12 so but certainly um you know one of one of the books that obviously we worked on together was your little mm. moon that we did we did with some of the schools and i mean that that's a beautiful book and i know that that was inspired from some of your own experience you always talk about your lovely mum mm. i feel emotional just saying it who died of um leukemia and that that inspired that book didn't it and that's a beautiful book would you talk to us a little mm. bit about that because i think she's been such an inspiration to your life hasn't yeah, she? yeah yeah absolutely and um you know someone i think about on a very regular basis yeah i i kind of always wanted we've always been really open with our our boys about um about loss and grief i mean I obviously i've lost lost my mum lost my dad when i was in my early 20s and michelle my wife lost her dad when she was a teenager so you know loss and and of of a parent has always been a big part of both our lives so we've always tried to be quite honest with the kids and candid about it never wanted to sort of stray away from the subject particularly and um i remember it was one night sunny our youngest had a sort of bedtime reading at school they had like a little event on and all the all the teachers were going to get like their pajamas on and read bedtime stories to the kids so i remember us walking we had to walk back to school and I remember him just looking up at the stars and he said, when you see a star, it touches your heart. And it was just this really profound kind of thing. And it just got made me think, you know, it was around the same time we were, I'd, I was sort of explaining about my mum and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of, there's this kind of idea, mythical idea that we become stardust when we, we pass away. So there's a kind of idea of stardust and, you know, living forever within the stars and the sky. And, whoa. and I think we do live on, in some respects, um, without getting too Me spiritual, too, I'm not definitely. a particularly spiritual person, but I think we do live mm. on in 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 other things. You know, like we we leave a legacy. We all leave a legacy in one way or another. So it might not be a physical way, but we we, we leave. You know, we leave 
letters we've written or pictures we've taken or you know even if it's just as minor things of like that or memories that we have like you know you might have memory of going to get an ice cream on the beach or something and that's you know that's part of the legacy we leave behind so those memories and thoughts so yeah that was kind of the idea of the book and i wanted to write something that um children in that like i said earlier that that very special time of reading a story at bedtime where is often a chance for adults to have a conversation with their child about maybe difficult things. It might be about their day, how they're feeling. And actually books are a way of conveying those feelings and, and thoughts. And so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a chance for people to have that difficult conversation maybe with their child about, you know, and the, and the book's kind of about a life cycle. It's a, um, it's a little girl. It's that, a beautiful that, that, book. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was very, very proud of it. And um, beautiful illustrations by Iris Depp who did the illustrations and yeah i'm really really proud of that book and it's um really pleased it was able to find a home somewhere so that's nice and you also shared some some po a poems book didn't you tell us a bit about that because that was inspired as well wasn't it the the book <laughs> it's like the, it's looking at me there which one I might cut that bit <laughs> oh exactly well that's what i'm i mean i've written a few books on poets i've been i'm Funny enough, when I well, first... I suppose when you talk children's books, you've written a lot of poems for children's yeah. books. Yeah. But you've, you're 100 days. Oh, yeah, 150 the... days. Yeah, so that was my first kind of adult novel. Funny enough, that does actually lead back to a, th a project I started. When I first started writing, the first thing I ever wrote was... It wasn't... Um, it was kind of a, a collection of lyrics and poems that I put together, which were kind of loosely based around kind of teenage angst and... Um, loss and just general kind of like me being a bit miserable um, but mm. I, I I just did it as a self-release thing it was called Linear Hymns and I just w sold it to friends and family really and the money that we made it went to Leukemia Research and it was a kind of it was kind of my first sort of it was almost like a demo tape for 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 my writing in a way Um, you know I look back at it now it was pretty it wasn't great but it was a it was a chance for me to sort of express myself and find out, start to sort of look at how I find my voice and all that kind of stuff. And and 150 Days, which is my novel, which came out sort of springtime last year, is is kind of a, it, it's like the second album of that first demo. It, it's um, very much a story about my own experiences um, of of losing my mum and some of the some some things that were very true to life around that time um so the protagonist in the book is uh, suffering from pneumonia which i had when i was very little and meant that i couldn't go and see my mum because she was having treatments um so she was having chemotherapy and stuff so obviously she couldn't she was at risk for infection um so, so obviously mm. she had to sort of be shielded which is a word we've we hear a lot these days now isn't it just um yeah. and yeah it was so it was kind of ironic that it came out in march just kind of just after yeah. we'd gone into first lockdown so it, there was a lot of parallels between that story and what we were sort of seeing around us but yeah so is the idea of that and then obviously um i was a lot younger when my mum died i was six the protagonist in the book is um is, is is a teenager but a lot of the teenage moments in the book are real um I, you know, I lived in a one-bedroom flat with my dad. He had a drink problem. Uh, we didn't, you know, we were always sort of hard up. And uh, my nan lived, it was my nan's flat, and uh, it was like a residential flat, and she used to sleep on the sofa, and me and my dad shared a room. It was, it was, a, it was a weird existence at the time. 
you never wanted to bring any friends around or anything because you know it was just uh we sort of living in this sort of weird hovel um uh and so yeah it was a weird weird time um but a lot of that is in the book uh, there's a lot of stuff i wanted to sort of put out there but there are fictional elements to it as well there's a a sort of love interest that the uh the boy sort of finds hope in a physiotherapist that sort of helps him and or sort of shows him the way really so that it's kind of semi-autobiographical there's a lot of me in it but um yeah it was it was a it was a great thing to write and something i'd wanted to write for a long time well i i think it's you know an amazing book and i think what you share and the fact that you do share experience as well is makes it you know all the more compelling to read and um obviously you do have a wonderful wife and two children and she's been a great support mm. i know uh have, have you done your photo booth photo this year we did I mean, we walked we put masks did on because well. <laughs> <Did Yeah>. <laughs> that i mean how many times now has that been in in the national newspapers it's been i've seen it a few yeah. years it's, like, it's back in again and, it's back in again well, it's an easy story <laughs> to sort of it's like, well i suppose it's uh, it's nice actually because it's nice it's like kind of a feel really nice. a bit more of a feel good story isn't it and sometimes you know this with so much clickbait and stuff around these days, it's quite nice to maybe read about something a bit more positive. Um, although, so don't Giles ever read the Daily Mail comments because they're no, always don't, quite hard. No, don't read the Daily um, Mail comments. But you, but how many years now? So you've been doing literally photo booth photos of of well, it's all of you now, isn't it? It's all, it's all of, of us now. now. So it started. It literally started. I mean, I think she, Michelle and I had been seeing each other for probably a month or so, like a couple or maybe six weeks, and we were Brilliant. in Brighton. We, I think gone to the cinema. And then in, in Brighton Station, they had a fo- photo booth. And I said, oh, let's, should we mark the occasion? And then I think <laughs> we just found ourselves back there kind of a year later. I said, oh, should we do it? We could do it again. So and then, and, and then obviously it became a tradition. Um, and obviously we include the kids now as well. Uh, so, so how many are we up to? How many are we up to? 22 now. Because we, yeah, wow. because uh, so we got married in 2002. We were... Um, so yeah, we've been together since two thousand. So yeah, but so there's a couple of extra ones in there, obviously before, and then and then the children, and now and it's the problem is now is that it's a bit of a squeeze in the <laughs> the photo booth. It's not it's not as pleasant an experience as it used to be because I'm always at the bottom and everyone's kind of sitting on me. Um, so we have. Well, as you get older, Giles, it's going to be like you know, it, it, as you get older, and the boys, they might get, have families. I'm sure oh, they're going no, to. It's no, going to get no, a busy that's booth. Not happening. But you might have to get. You might have to have a photographer come into the home and do some kind of clever, sophisticated yeah, tech, I'd, such as we're doing today. We'd have to all squeeze in. I think that's the beauty of it is that the fact that it's in this little booth and we're all sort of squashed yeah. together. I think that's the sort of nothing. And and. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, it was always kind of a thing you did with your mates and stuff, it wasn't was. it? Going to photo booth, yeah. And, uh, especially, but especially your pals, many with with girlfriends, yeah. sort of four of us crammed in, and boyfriends, obviously. Mm. But yeah, it's a real, and it's sort of come back, hasn't it? Because you can hard the food. My my sister's a wedding photographer, and she she has an amazing business. She bought one of the photo booths, yeah, for the exactly, yeah, yeah. So much fun. I mean, I just have one at home. Yeah, I mean, they're I amazing. Like aren't the... they? Yeah, my brother had that at his <laughs> wedding, and uh, you know, you wear the silly glasses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah they're, they're really good fun. So, so yeah, I'm glad that there's been a renaissance for them because there's something very <laughs> special about them. I think it's like Polaroid cameras as well. There. Oh, I was going to say, co- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love, I totally, but they're so expensive now. I know, well. and the films cost loads Two as well, don't they? Photo. Yeah, exactly. Now, with your first book ever to be published, The Fierce mm. Obesity, and that won the People's Book Prize, 
was that hard to find a publisher? Because you are you you're in, you're incredibly resilient. I would say. I know. Um, you know, we've always had open and honest conversations about you know mental health mm. and everything. But you've you've shared with me in conversations how it's incredibly competitive, um, especially being a children's book author. How did you find that finding a publisher? Was it hard? You know, how did you feel about? Well, that? funnily enough, the Fierce and Beastie, although it was the first book I got published, it wasn't the first book mm. deal I got. Um, oh, okay. The first book deal I got was for a story I wrote called "The Things You Never Knew About Dinosaurs," uh, that and book. that got like I got a publishing deal for that really quickly after I, I started sending it out, and I thought this is easy, isn't it? Like this is this is great. Ah, oh, I've made it. Um, and I remember I had a development deal with another publisher, which came quite quickly after that as well. So I had these two kind of things going on and I really thought I'd made it, but then you suddenly get brought back down to earth quite quickly. Uh, and I think it was, oh God, I mean, it was about 18 months, easily 18 months before I got another book deal. It was really good. And that's, that was a real learning curve actually on actually the brutalities of, and I kind of, I was kind of aware anyway. I've been in a band, you know, I've been playing in bands for three years trying to make it. Um, so I was kind of aware that it wasn't going to be that straightforward. Mm. But I think when you get a taste for something, you know, you get something quite early doors, you think, okay, mm. you think I'm in, in here. And also I think you think, I suppose on the outside, when you go in, you think oh, I'm going to get like a, a multiple book deal or something like that. Like this publisher is going to want to publish everything that I do. And again, it doesn't work like that. You know, I haven't worked with the same publisher twice, I don't think. Uh, they've all been with different publishers. So I think there lessons to be learned along the way, for sure. And, and you do. And it's the thing I say to anybody that's sort of asking me, and I get loads of people messaging me about, like, they've written a story, they want to write a story, and they're mm. trying to get published. And I, and I always say that perseverance is the biggest thing. It really is. You can have all the talent in the world but if you're not willing to persevere at it and um take it on the chin sometimes that you're not gonna you know and it's hard it's really hard you know mm. to, to that that level of rejection is is brutal but if you if you can't use it in some way going forwards uh then yeah it's gonna you're gonna find it really difficult to progress and I guess doing what you love as well, which is something you've always done. You've always been very passionate about everything that you do. And it's it's focusing on that. And then, you know, it's I mean, you've you've you have had a lot of bug, uh, books published. And there's some people out there that probably have tried and tried and tried. And that that can be hard. And I imagine now at the moment, obviously, you're well connected in, in industries. Like you said, you've been in the music industry and, and books and, and then actors. I mean, there must be. A lot of people really struggling out there at the moment anyway with everything that's going on at the moment. Um, the whole world's gone a bit blank, hasn't it? But obviously as well, there's people out there that just aren't getting opportunities to be in films or theatre or it's it's a tough time for, for that sector. D talking about the music industry, mm. I want to go back to that with you. You, I mean, obviously two highlights of your music career. First one clearly being at the Forum, our local Tunbridge Wells. Love to play at the Forum. You played at the Forum, didn't but you? But one of the only I places mean... we had a bit of a following, actually. I remember. <laughs> of course. I remember it was because it was such a great rock venue, and you could like all sorts. I mean, all sorts. I mean, all sorts of people played there. But I mean, we went. We obviously we were quite heavy, heavy hard rock band, and it was just perfect for that. You know, it had that kind of feel about it. I guess because it's a converted toilet. 
Um, <laughs> and, and, and ironically, we used to rehearse in a, in a converted toilet in Brighton as well. We sort of had this, it's, it's like... Toilet Yeah, like rock, rock <laughs> bands often have to sort of like turn up to toilets and, you know. Um, but no, I loved playing at the Forum. It was one of my favourite um, venues. I used to love the promoter. It was a young guy called Lawrence. Uh, who I mean, and actually, all the guys that worked at the forum were quite young, so they were a bit more kind of tapped into what was going on. Um, I don't know what it's like now, but um, certainly when I played, which is sort of like the yeah, sort of early noughties, they were they were really there's a really great group of people down there. And yeah, I remember we played a couple of headline gigs down there, and we there was even one where we had to do an encore, which is very <laughs> unusual for a. For a small band like ours, so yeah, we did have. It was great. I used to enjoy the nights down the forum. And you, you have, you have sort of, you know, had a bit of a, bit of a go at music again lately, haven't you? Was it last year or year before last? There was a, there was a. You didn't you get back with the band a little bit and do a few? I'm sure a little while ago you did a few. Well, we've always been together. recording. I mean, I, I stood in a band called Burnt House, and we, 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 we when we can afford it we go in the studio and do some tracks i mean we we've got stuff on spotify and itunes and stuff so yeah that's my favorite thing to do now is going in the studio um we rehearse you know we don't rehearse as, obviously we haven't rehearsed for quite a while during the pandemic but generally we rehearse you know a few times a month and we're always writing stuff that's the thing that drives us really is writing new material and we don't gig as much these days we do the occasional gig but but writing and creating is the, is the thing that really drives us. And, and going in the studio is just sort of the icing on the cake when you can put it down on. And, you know, we, there's a great producer we work with, Dave Lynch, who works over, um, he's got a studio over in Eastbourne called Echo Zoo. And it's a really lovely, I've recorded everything I've ever done, I've recorded over there. Um, it's a brilliant studio. Dave's a brilliant engineer. He's worked with some really, really big names. And, um, yeah, that's the thing I enjoy the most, going in the studio and laying down some songs is just magical really magical and glastonbury i think you had a little bit of a oh god yeah that was 20 years ago yeah yeah it was year I 2000 mean, you know, studio glastonbury kind of you know both those things are pretty awesome glastonbury was amazing <laughs> it was amazing it was the year um david bowie was um headlining so it was a magical year it was also the year i think it was also the year that they had the most gate gate crashes so there was <laughs> Um, was that your influence? Giles? I think there was twice. I, I think there was almost twice as many people there than normal. It was immense, like the amount of people, uh, and I'm saying immense in in not such a good way. I and mean, it was like just crazy. I mean, there were so many people there. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. It's an amazing place. I mean, I haven't been back since, unfortunately. Um, but it was an amazing experience. We played. Um, like 11 o'clock on the Saturday morning on the new band's tent, which I think is now called the John Peel's tent. Um, we uh, we flat we went round the foot the previous day just flying because we you know we weren't that well known, so we just went round the whole venue flying, just spent like hours walking around. It's about it's about nine nine acres. No, it's bigger than that. I think about 50 acres or something. So we walked where whatever it was anyway. We were walking around. Um, um, the farm and just giving out flyers to everybody and we had a decent people amount of people turn up for an 11 o'clock on a on a Saturday morning it wasn't too bad we had a few thousand people there so it was amazing incredible experience um, and one I will never forget for sure oh brilliant and I mean listening to you talk now you know as you say you you know you lost your mum when you were very young and then you didn't have an ideal situation with your dad and living conditions that you were in but you've, you know, 
you'll be an inspiration to a lot of people. I mean, did you could you have imagined back then that you would have done all these things, been in been in a band, been an award winning author? I mean, your podcast show is award winning as well. I mean, that's another great achievement, and I'm sure you're a great inspiration for your children as well. And I know how proud of you, Michelle, your wife is. So it it, it really. You know, what would be sort of any words that you could... Because at the moment, there probably are people that are isolated, that are in conditions that possibly... Fam- you know, we like to think we're all tucked up at home with our families and loved ones and it's all happy days, but it's not necessarily. And this can be really tough for people. And also just trying to see a bit of light in the future. What would be your... Any words of wisdom? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Funny enough, you saying about all the things that I've achieved and sometimes you... Uh, as as creative people or as people in general actually sometimes you don't think about that in in the respect that you're always thinking about what you're not achieving or you're always thinking about like today's been crap because this didn't happen or um i didn't get that gig or i didn't you know you're you're thinking about the negative things because we we you know our brains are sort of wired towards negativity you know from our neanderthal days um, mm. where we were sort of running away from wild beasts. But now it's, you know, it's kind of changed, you know, as we've moved into the 21st century, our, our negativity comes from other things. And, we you know, we go on social media and all these things, we see other people doing well. And you think, oh, well, I want to be doing that. And then you saying all those things is that makes me think I'm, I need to check in with myself a little bit more and say to myself, yeah. wow, actually you've done loads of loads of amazing things. And that she should, it's a thing that we say on the pod all the time. It's Jim become a bit of a catchphrase for Jim. And it's like giving yourself the win, you know, because yeah. we, we don't do it enough to ourselves. You know, we would, we would always big up other people, but we don't do it to ourselves enough, you know? And I think sometimes, and I've said this before, like we become our own worst trolls a lot of the time. We're always kind of at ourselves because we haven't done something or we haven't achieved something or, or we've said something wrong to somebody or we, uh, we perceive is wrong. And, you know, we just need to give ourselves a bit more of a break. And I think especially at the moment, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you do bare minimum. Like, just give yourself the break, give yourself the win yeah. and, you know, take care of yourself. Yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? It's taking your awareness to the things, the things that are good rather than the things or the things that you've achieved over the things that you haven't because like you say it's much easier to focus on that and it does sometimes take someone else to say oh because you're you know to other people your life can be a dream and then you're in it and you don't you you just take it for granted or people there's so many times that you sort of you're constantly striving and you don't really enjoy the present moment (laughs) that's that's a bit of a waste (laughs) isn't it so yeah and it's the sort of thing like you you know there's that thing that we wouldn't talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves and we wouldn't i think you know that's really important to remember that when you're when you're beating yourself up about something um you would never say that to someone else you wouldn't dream of it unless you're sort of like and it's often the kindest people who have the you you know really do critique themselves Mm. internally and i think that's it and you just you say to sort of people when they're kind you're like would you would you say that would you you know i've got clients that i work with and it's like would you would you speak that way to somebody else and and then it's like no i wouldn't so why do i do that to myself and it's the same with when it's easy to be it's easy for me to tell you giles you're amazing you've bought all these books out and you've accomplished all these amazing things but you know how often do you sort of sit back and go wow actually i've i've done pretty good definitely a big win Definitely well, I think I, before we before we came on, I was like, "Oh, I was being coy about stuff and thinking, oh, I don't, I don't like talking about myself. 
um, you know, so we all do it. You know, I've done it in the we last half an hour. We all do it. So, yeah. Every single person does it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, but I think that's what's nice talking to yourself is that, and, and actually I think that's the beauty of podcasts, and especially with Blank, what you've done is people can, we're all just human beings. We're all people. We all have the same feelings, fears. We, we all experience them. Some people talk about them more than others. Some people are more open about it, but guaranteed, and unless you're literally a psychopath, yeah, yeah. chances are <laughs> that you you have empathy and you have feelings and, and we're all experiencing a lot of hard things at the moment. But I think, um, you know, inspiring people to write is, is amazing. And I think at the moment with, you know, children being at home, I think it's it's great. And yeah, I mean, books just takes you to another planet, doesn't it? What would you say has been one of your highest points in your career? Because you have done lots of different things. If there's one thing, if there was one thing you could kind of think really stood out. It's really hard because, you know, we obviously be going over these things and uh, saying all these nice things that I've done. Um, I think, I guess, uh, when you see your, whenever I see my work, like the other day, my new book dropped in through the, through the letterbox and you open up the parcel and you see it and you think, oh. I did that. So that's always special when you see your work um, come into fruition, I think. Um, so for me, it's always those moments. But I think if it's one to sort of defining moment, it would probably have to be um, what would it have to be? really hard it's yeah. really hard to think well, there's a lot one. to choose from by the looks of it and that's rather nice <laughs> <laughs> i think um probably the biggest highlight for me in my in my career is reading that first book to my children oh, in in, yeah. in in that setting and actually thinking yeah. like looking looking at them enjoying it and thinking okay i wrote this yeah. And this this yeah. Uh, this is you know I completely made this and this and I made you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I like you know and I was thinking yeah that that's pretty uh that's pretty special. Uh, yeah, I think that's a hard one to top. I'd agree with you there. Definitely. What are your aspirations, Giles? Have you got more I mean are you going to write more children's books or obviously now you're moving we've got blank coming out which is great. When, when can we actually get our hands on that? We can go onto Amazon at the moment, can't we, and order it? Yeah, it's on offer at the moment, so you can get oh, it. Is it? Pre- yeah, yeah, you can get your, you can get it cheaper. Go to Amazon. Get on there and make pre-order it, it now. Right, pre-order it now, today. We'll put <laughs> a link here later on. for the book. Um, <laughs> but it looks beautiful, the book, actually. I think, you thank know, you. I've, I've shared... I've shared um, your video, which shows obviously opening the book, which I loved that, that you did that. I've actually got it. But it does here, look. Which is, I yeah, don't, show I don't show generally us. walk around with my books. Um, yes, you but do. I do don't have to, lie. Have you've got, you've got a jacket on. You open it up and there's like books in your pockets. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that Dale boy with his <laughs> watches. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. Uh, it looks yeah, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Who did no, the I'm cover? Really Who did the illustration on the cover? I really like the cover. Yeah, so I mean, this published with Quadrille, who are a wonderful non-fiction publisher. I'm really pleased to be working mm. with them. The design was by Jack Smith, but it's a it's a photo it's a photo by a guy called Daniel Day, um, 
looks great. But yeah, so it's just, yeah, it's just really nice, really apt actually. That can sit on my bookshelf yeah, behind it's be- and, and the my letting, home Zoom, and the lettings all embossed as well. You can't really see it on the Zoom, but yeah, it's uh, it's very very nice books. I mean, I love just the feel of books anyway. I'm a oh. book lover in that respect. Um, but yeah, I mean, aspirations. I mean, I'm always looking for new things to get my teeth into. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I, I've had a break from writing in, in since I mean, pretty much since doing that book. Um, because you know, going back to what we were saying, I know it's still it's still difficult to get your work published. You know, you, it's always a struggle uh, to get get your work out there. So, I mean, I've had I've written several. I've got several novels that I've I've completed, but I can't you know can't sell them. So, it's always that's always in the rack there. But yeah, you know, you just had to keep moving forward though, uh, and and keep creating stuff and keep making stuff. And some of it will some of it will fly, and some of it won't. You know, but um, the joy is in the making most of the time. So you have to make sure that you keep that in mind. Well, I love what you do and I love working with Thank you. Thank you. Well, likewise. Pleasure of, pleasure of working alongside you for, whoa, I mean, we, you know, we're going we're to get near to a decade at some point, <laughs> aren't we? It's not far off. <laughs> Clearly, we, we don't look that, but it's but it's been a joy. And certainly as far as podcasts, um, you definitely introduced me personally to ideas I've had around podcasts and you know this big chat and other ideas that we've worked on recently has been something that I've been thinking about for a long long time for you with blank you I feel like that you really did pioneer something I I know that you were listening to them but I still it amazes me to this day that I speak to people and they're like what's a podcast but I think now through the pandemic everyone can listen and enjoy um and yeah you know thank you for that because I think it's been it's been great and it is it is something brilliant that everyone can just tap into, isn't there? And just, there's so many there's so many good ones out there, isn't oh, there? I mean, there's, there's so, so many. I good mean, ones. you can pretty much, um, if whatever you're into, you can pretty much find a podcast about it. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's just such a wonderful medium. I think, uh, as regards to having like candid conversations, I think it's you know, I can't watch like chat shows anymore that are on TV because they just don't delve into where you can get to someone in a podcast. Mm. You know, so. I know if I want to hear a um, a very thorough kind of conversation with someone that I like, you know, in the public eye, then I then I'll listen to it on a podcast. I won't I won't find it on, um, you know, radio or TV. So it's brilliant for that. And yeah, I mean, I I'm into all sorts of different podcasts. I mean, obviously, even football. There's loads of great football podcasts. True crime. I mean, I quite like true crime stuff. There's just so much out there cooking whatever you were into you will be able to find mm. a podcast for it and uh there are some amazing ones out there and yeah so it's um it's it's lovely to be in the industry now um and see everyone doing you know everyone's got a little their own little piece of the pie but um we're not you know no one's treading on anyone else's toes to a certain extent well, that's it. It's, it's a form of expression, isn't it? And it's great that people can express mm. themselves. And I'm really excited to do more bite-sized ones with you. Yes. We're going to have some fun on. Because obviously we've been working on the soapbox ones that we haven't been able to do much more with at the moment. But we're going to do some bite-sized things, which will be fun. So I'll get to pick your brains. And um, and then I can literally listen to your podcast, your voice, everything through <laughs> devices everywhere at the moment. Which, you, you know, while I'm ironing, which clearly I do all the time. <laughs> But um, thank you so much, Giles. And thank you for, you know, everything that you you do with us here at Chatty because you're a very loved member of our team. But also, you're just wonderful what you do. Thank you. Keep on inspiring and keep on... And let's, you know, let's get you back in the forum. Let's do it. Oh, I would love to play the forum again. 
One day, yeah. Let's make it happen. Let's manifest it. Let's set that intention. Absolutely. Let's I would love to it. play a gig at the Forum again. <laughs> that would take me back. God. Oh, yeah, some brilliant. great times at the Forum. So basically, people need to go out, buy a book while they can, blank, and check out the podcast. And just, I mean, Giles Paley Phillips is quite a unique name. So it's, it's, not a, many if you need around. to find him, there's not many. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a good name. Follow him in tw- on Twitter and, and do what you need to do. But yeah, just um, lovely to chat with you today. Thank Giles, you. Thank, thank you for your time. Okay. Take care. And we'll you. speak to you soon.